Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. Glad to be back with you after a whirlwind trip. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I'd like to say hi again to, uh, to those of you down in Orlando on WDBO, and I feel like I owe you an apology. Um, I started in, in wherever you are. Uh, so I, I went live uh, noon to 3 Eastern, uh, which is when the show airs on WDBO in Orlando on last Monday. And so you had me on Monday and Tuesday, and then I suddenly was gone. And you had my guest host. You're like, oh, your, your, well, WTF moment of, of what's going on with the radio. My apologies. Um, I, I found out that they were moving me noon to three uh, the week before. And I was like, I'm going to be gone next week a lot. Um, but the the deal was done. They put me on and then I had to abandon you. And I'm sorry, uh, I'm going to come down there and visit you. Uh, at some point in the next few months, uh, my team is, we're all going to come down to Orlando. My Uncle Leaf, yes, my Uncle Leaf Erickson lives in Winter Park. Uh, and I got to come say hi to him. And I got to come hang out with you guys. Um, and, and I will. So, now, apologies accepted, I hope. I have to move on because we have to talk about zombies. You should know I am freeforming this. Now, I freeform my show. People, I, I'm, I'm actually always surprised at the number of people who think I have a script. Here's what I do. I get up in the morning and I compile all of the things I want to talk about. And it's just a list. It's a list with the links to the newspaper articles uh, or the web articles that I can click through and I can and refresh. I can pull quotes from. I can talk to you about. I don't do a script. It's just I, I write in the order. Here's the stuff I want to talk about. And inevitably, four out of five days a week, I get on the air and I'm like, actually, I think this is more important. I'm going to talk about this or there's breaking news. I feel like I'm not just doing a talk radio show. I'm doing a news talk program. I, I have an obligation to cover the news of the day. And if there's breaking news to focus on the breaking news. And I have a staff that when there's big breaking news, they text me and say, hey, this is happening right now so that I can cover it uh, and make you smarter than all your neighbors and keep you in the know. I was going to talk a little bit about inflation. I was gone when the numbers hit on Friday, and I want to talk about it, but there's a more important topic to talk about right now, zombies. Just follow along with me here. I beg you, follow along with me here. You know, the, the zombie comes, uh, they believe, from the... Um, from an African word meaning uh, essentially uh, corpse without soul. The Haitians picked it up, African slave immigrants who brought voodoo essentially or conjured voodoo into the Western Hemisphere. In the late 1800s, it really began to be a thing. In the 1900s, with the rise of film and the desire for not just horror novels but horror movies, the zombie theme took on a life of its own. What the zombie theme did over time was it reflected the fears and anxieties of the age in which they lived. So, for example, originally, the zombie uh, was an unexplained supernatural event. In World War II and in the, the 50s and 60s and the rise of the Cold War, unexplained supernatural event bringing about the apocalypse and the zombies. 
Then it became uh, into the 1970s and the rise of modern environmentalism. You saw zombies were a, a stand-in for pandemic. In the 90s and 2000s, uh, zombies became uh, science run amok. Science was creating zombies. I Am Legend, which was a book actually from the 50s and then updated. Or World War Z was, was pandemic over, overridden. There were lots of them, but you know what zombies have become? Zombies have now become a stand-in for, and I'm reading from Wikipedia, stand-ins for discriminated groups struggling for equality. The human-zombie romantic relationship is interpreted as a metaphor for sexual liberation and taboo-breaking, given that zombies are subject to wild desires and free from social conventions. Yeah. Starting in, in the 2000s, really after 2010, zombies went from being uh, a stand-in for cultural anxieties and fears about the Cold War and the supernatural and the apocalypse uh, to a stand-in for pandemics that could not be controlled to a science run amok to sexual liberation metaphors. What the zombie tends to be now is a flesh-eating, in particular, a brain-eating dead person who is reanimated and wants to eat brains. In other words, a zombie, a soulless, brainless creature that wants your brain, is a progressive academic. And that's where we are in this country. Progressives, starting in academia, have created an army of zombies. They are so open-minded, their brains have fallen out, and they now demand our brains and demand that we conform to what they want. Culturally, economically, there's a story out today that progressive economists, the very same damn one, y'all, who said inflation wasn't going to happen, and if it did, it was transitory, are now saying, wait, 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 wait. Inflation's actually better than a recession. We don't want unemployment. Let's just deal with, with inflation, and we'll give tax rebates to the poor. I kid you not. That's their plan. The same people who said there was not going to be inflation are now like, that's not so bad, better than a recession. Why should we believe them? Their brains were so open, they fell out. Now they want our brains. If they can't get your brain, they at least want you shut up or dead. And that gets me to the dangerous point of the zombie apocalypse upon us. 44% of younger Democratic men, that is men under the age of 50, surveyed by the Southern Poverty Law Center, that left-wing organization to which uh, mass shooters or would-be mass shooter Floyd Lee Corkins and mass shooter James, Lee, James Hodgkinson were both fans of. Floyd Lee Corkins went to kill all the people at Family Research Center in Washington and stuffed their mouths with Chick-fil-A because the Southern Poverty Law Center said the Family Research Council was a bunch of bigots. James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress, was a big fan of the Southern Poverty Law Center. 
44% of younger Democratic men surveyed by the Southern Poverty Law Center approve of, quote, assassinating a politician who is harming the country or our democracy. The highest rate of any gender, party, and age combined. A narrow majority of men... Democratic under 50 said they disapproved of the statement. A small share said they did not know. Who the heck are the people who say they don't know? Only a third of younger Republican men approve of the statement. 40% of young Republican women approved. 32% of young Democratic women approve. Older Americans of both are dramatically less likely to approve. The poll surfaced it was conducted a while back but it resurfaced i guess you should say after authorities arrested the man who went to assassinate brett kavanaugh at his house a third of republican young men and almost half of democratic young men the media would focus on the third of republicans but we probably ought to focus on the half of democratic men under 50 who believe assassination of people who would harm the country or democracy is good, is, is acceptable. This is the end result of the zombification of the American mind on the left, where they have no brain to think. They are led, and they are led by emotion, and they are led by fear. John Podesta, the chairman of the Center for American Progress, says Joe Manchin is single-handedly dooming humanity. His quote, single-handedly doomed humanity because Joe Manchin will not go along with a climate deal that would spend a lot of money, cause more inflation, and really do nothing to solve the climate situation. But doing something is what Democrats want to do. If I was Joe Manchin, I'd be wearing a bulletproof vest everywhere. If I were Joe Manchin, you know that he lives on a houseboat in D.C. If I were Joe Manchin, I would want security around me all the time. Because the Democrats are blaming him for dooming humanity, single-handedly dooming humanity. And half of Democratic men under 50 think it is acceptable to assassinate political opponents who they think are harming the country or democracy. There ain't much more you can do to harm the country than see it burn because of climate change in the minds of the Democrats. We're in uncharted territory here, and we have an entire media apparatus that when someone who is perceived to be on the right does something violent towards the Democrats, they spend an extraordinary amount of time covering it. Days, if not weeks on end, until it turns out the person's not a Republican, then they memory hold it. James Hodgkinson, who was a progressive, Rachel Maddow watching, Southern Poverty Law Center fan and Bernie Sanders supporter, attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress, and in three days, when it turned out he was a progressive, the media moved on. Jared Lochner attempted the assassination of Gabriel Giffords and did kill a federal judge in Arizona. Coverage from the media went on for a week, tying him to Sarah Palin and the right for a week. I was on CNN at the time. Talked about this story every damn day for a week.
Then it turned out he was at best a socialist, but most likely completely a political nut job. And the story went away. Memory hold. Couldn't talk about it anymore. I remember on CNN, I, I, I used the word target for something after that. Oh, you can't say target. That's violent rhetoric now after Jared Lockett. You can't say it. Within a couple of weeks, everybody's back to target because, well, he wasn't a right-wing nut job. He was just a nut job. James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of members of Congress. It was off the front page of the New York Times in two days. 50, 44%. 44% of Democratic men under 50 think political assassinations are okay. And one of them attempted it with Brett Kavanaugh. And do you know the House of Representatives will not, at this moment, will not pass the law to expand security for the Supreme Court and their families. They passed one perfunctory bill to increase some funding for protection of the Supreme Court justices, but not their families, not their homes, not to go with them when they travel. And they want you to know that Republican men want to throw women in jail. They want you to know Joe Manchin wants to let the world burn. They want you to know that uh, Trump is on the move. Democracy is threatened. I do not think there's a coincidence from the framing of this polling and all the stories we're hearing. I think progressives believe that they are by divine right. I don't know who their divine divinity is other than the devil, but by divine right supposed to lead, supposed to rule. Democracy is theirs. They are the ones. They are the chosen. Everyone else is bad. Everything is a threat to democracy if it means they don't get power. We're on the verge of a major Republican wave in November if Republicans don't screw it up. And the Democrats are going to tell us it's a threat to democracy. The Democrats are going to tell us democracy is under attack. The Democrats are going to tell us we're doomed because of the rise of the GOP. It's only a matter of time. Listen, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, in the early 80s, the Democrats were tied to a bunch of violent extremists who tried to blow up the Capitol, who tried to blow up the Pentagon, who tried to blow up the State Department, who tried to assassinate various political officials around the country, who have stormed through America, burning down cities. Nowadays, they got the media on their side. They burned down a bunch of cities, and the media says, oh, it's most peaceful. When you have a party that views humanity as a clump of cells until someone somewhere decides it's a life, and you have a party that can run through a city burning down all the buildings and have the media say it's mostly peaceful, you have a party primed at the pump for violence. And they want power. And when they don't get it, and they now feel they don't control anything, this isn't going to end well for a lot of people. Someone has got to do an intervention on the Democratic Party. These people need mental help quickly. And most of the therapists on their side are just as nuts or nuttier. And that's a problem. Folks, the signature hymn sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They use the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness, a better night's sleep. The sheets are made with threads so luxurious, three U.S. presidents love them. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you this from personal experience. Every time you wash the sheets, 
they get softer. You know, people worry about thread counts for sheets. You need to worry about the quality of the threads. Bolin Branch uses fantastic ones. You can just feel them and they get softer and softer over time. They're very, very breathable for the summer, but they also have a good weight for the winter. They help you sleep well at night. They're not so light that you feel like nothing's on you. They they're just they're the perfect weight. They're the perfect sheet from Bolin Branch. You'll immediately feel the difference with their iconic signature sheets. Right now, get 20% off site-wide during the annual summer event happening now only at BolinBranch.com. It's their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. Phenomenal deal with phenomenal product. I'm telling you, we use them in our house. Long before I was a broadcast reader, we use Bowl and Branch. You should too. Bowlandbranch.com for 20% off sidewide. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. All of these links, I want you to know, all the links from the Southern Poverty Law Center data to uh, the Roy Texera polling on Hispanic voters and progressives alike, they were all in my uh, morning email that I sent to every single person free of charge. You should be a subscriber. You can text the word data to 33777. Sign up for my daily email. Now, if you pay, it's seven bucks a month for the good stuff. If you sign up and you pay to subscribe, seven bucks a month, that's it. You get all of the show notes. You get the special podcast feed that has no ads in it. Um, you get, at, get discounts to our conferences. You get special interviews. You get all sorts of other stuff. But if you just sign up for the free subscription, you get my morning piece. And all the links I talked about in the first hour and this polling from Southern Poverty Law Center, they're all in that email uh, that the Democrats need a serious intervention. Uh, a little more on the intervention. I want to play you um, Brian Deese from the National Council of Economic uh, – or I'm sorry, he's the National Economic Council – director listen to this he was on cnn this it's, morning it's a prescription drugs in a moment but brian first based on your assessment of where things are right now with the economy how challenging do you think it's going to be to avoid a recession at this point well i think if you look at where we are uh, remember just a uh, it was just about two weeks ago that we got the jobs report for june and you saw that in the second quarter of this year we had a historic job growth uh, close to four hundred thousand jobs a month uh, created in this economy in the second quarter. That's good news and it reflects the fact that we have a historic labor market right now and we also have household balance sheets that continue to be strong record low numbers of mortgage delinquencies, record no low numbers of credit card delinquencies. So these are not the marks of an economy in recession. Going forward, we need to focus on making these right choices so that we can make this transition. We can bring prices down without giving up all the economic gains that we've made. And what I can tell you is two things. One, the United States is in a better position than any other country in the world right now to drive that transition and make that transition effectively. You see our strength internationally. You see it in the strength of our currency. We are in a better place than almost any other country. Uh, and number two, if we make these right policy choices, it will matter. It will make a difference. It will bring prices down more quickly and give us a better chance to drive that transition effectively. Well, and when it uh, right. Okay. Listen, uh, there's a growing body of evidence that we are headed rapidly towards a recession. For example, uh, the Treasury has had to jack up long-term Treasury rates because they're not attractive to investors who want some short-term gains right now and, and are worried about the future. That's troubling for them. The dollar, we'll get to this in the next segment, the dollar is now soaring higher than most currencies out there. 
And the result is uh, you got a lot of American buying power, but it's always a warning sign globally when the dollar surges because it's the safe harbor currency. China is about to have a massive wave of bank defaults. The government there beginning to warn people things aren't going well. And Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs are out today saying the stock market has not finished crashing. All happening on Joe Biden's watch. And the apologists for Joe Biden are coming out of the woodwork now as a result. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We are, what, July 18, August 18. We're less than four months away. Not quite at three months, but less than four months away from the midterm elections. You might want to sit down for this one. Just because it's so absurd, you might fall over when I I tell you what's going on. Uh, Democrats in the Senate are now sounding the alarm about inflation to the White House. Mark Kelly in Arizona. Raphael Warnock in Georgia. They're now signaling alarm. Mark Kelly told CNN the Biden administration needs to be looking for more opportunities to do things to lower costs. It's a little late now. Raphael Warnock told CNN Congress needs to suspend the federal gas tax and cap insulin prices. You cap insulin prices, you cause an insulin shortage. It's economics 101, but what does Warnock care? By the way, uh, the, the the Walker team, is it looks like they're getting on their A game down in Georgia. For all the concerns, it looks like he has listened to some of the concerns and brought in uh, some additional manpower and shaken things up. That's a good sign for the Walker campaign. And the polling in Georgia remains remarkably close. Democrats are starting to be a little unnerved. And uh, one of the things they're doing is they're trying to take credit for gas prices. Uh, this is Brian Deese. When the gas when gas prices were going up, uh, your, uh, your network and others covered it constantly. Now gas prices are coming down. This is the longest sustained period of gas price reductions in over a decade. Over the weekend, we saw the largest single day decline in gas prices since 2008. Gas is below $4 a gallon at 20,000 gas stations across the country. So that is uh, good news, good news for the American people. And we do anticipate that those gas prices should keep coming down over the course of the month. Brian Deese is the director of the National Economic Council. Here is Jared Bernstein, the chairman of the National Council of Economic Advisors. Well, first of all, uh, let's be clear. Uh, The president himself said repeatedly after that report came out that that inflation is unacceptably high. Uh, Remember, this is a president who grew up in a family where issues like the price of gas, the price of food, were kitchen table issues. So uh, he has dispatched his team to do everything we can to ease price pressures. It is his top uh, domestic economic priority. Now, uh, in terms of the out-of-date, I think what the president meant there is since that report came out, the price of gas is down about 50 cents a gallon. Okay, that's uh, about the fastest decline in about a decade. Ah, yeah, you got that, the fastest decline in a decade. Here's Martha Raddatz on ABC. And and Heidi, on the latest inflation report, which was not good, President Biden's response was that it's not reflective of current condition. And it's it's true that gas prices have gone down, but 
people continue to feel it every day. This well, is the big story. Do you hear? People continue to feel this every day, Martha. Even Martha Raddatz notes it now. Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation on CNBC. She had on or on, on CNN or CBS. She had on Biden's uh, energy security advisor, who's also trying to claim gas prices are going down. So OPEC plus meets August 3rd. Uh, Saudi has some, very little spare capacity. So are you saying you got a wink and a nod that they're going to pump more? I think what we discussed, first of all, it's not just about Saudi. It's about we met with uh, with the GCC and with Saudi Arabia. Uh, there is, I'm not going to go into how much spare capacity there is in Saudi Arabia and in UAE and Kuwait, et cetera. But there is additional spare capacity. There is room for increased production. Uh, as we've told producers in the United States, uh, we've had conversations over the last several months and weeks mm-hmm. uh, with OPEC, uh, and I, I believe that there is still more room to uh, to see additional steps. In Saudi the says weeks. it's got like a million spare barrel capacity. Uh, again, it's not just about Saudi. Huh. Uh, this is OPEC, so there are other countries as well. So what we need is to see a little bit more. But let's let's look at what has happened since the president announced his trip. Uh, oil prices at that point were at about 120. Uh, today, oil prices are around 100, 101 dollars. Right. So that's a 20 dollar decline based on the some of that steps. due to economic concerns, though. China uh, looking like it's slowing, and concerns here about consumption going down. Oh, called him out on that. China slowing that has a lot to do with it. Uh, decreased demand in China. One last one, though. Let's say we get all the oil. We got a problem. Here's Ramesh Panuru, friend of mine. He was on ABC with Stephanopoulos this weekend. And, and Ramesh, I want to turn back to the to the foreign trip. Jamal Khashoggi's murder was rightly looming over this trip to Saudi. But Biden went there to reestablish relationships and for oil. There is clearly nothing happening immediately. But is there any hope for some long term solution here? And will it really make a difference? Well, I think that you've got several problems here. One is that the president has sacrificed some reputation in return for not much that's immediate. Um, the second is there are some questions about whether the Saudis even have the capacity to increase production at the levels that Americans would like to see. Exactly. And then third, does the U.S. have the refining capacity in order to make that translate into lower prices at the pump? Um, so I, I don't think that this trip is going to be a political win for the administration. Refining capacity in the United States, thanks to regulations imposed by the Biden administration related to emissions, a lot of refineries can't upgrade. It's not worth the money, so they've uh, wound down refining capacity in the United States. But what's what's worth noting here, so you had um, Bernstein and Deese and and the, the other guy, the energy security advisor, I forget his name. All saying, hey, hey, gas prices are down after Biden's trip. Gas prices went down. Look at the pop. Look at the pop. These are the same clowns who have spent a year telling us presidents of the United States do not control, cannot control, and have nothing to do with the price at the pump. For a year, these people have told us there is literally nothing Joe Biden can do. It's not his fault. Do not blame him for prices at the pump. And now prices are down. They're like, Biden, 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 Biden did it. Biden did it. Biden did it. Give him credit. Give him credit. Give him credit. They're a little bit aggravated with Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation for pointing out, actually, it has more to do with fears of recession here and in China than anything Biden did that's causing that. Uh, speculation. Remember, it's a futures market. 
If you predict in the future there's going to be an economic downturn, well, the last time we had an economic downturn was during COVID. Gas prices bottomed out because there was nobody there to put gas in their car. They didn't want any blame, but they want all the credit. Now, that's the nature of politics. Republicans do it as well. It's just notable that so many people in the media were willing to buy the protectionist angle on Joe Biden that uh, don't blame him for anything. It's everybody else's fault. Now they're like, oh, yes, give him credit. Give him credit. But it's not just that. It's it's the inflation issue as well. Listen, there are uh, all sorts of signs that things are not good. Here, Justin Fox, an opinion writer in Bloomberg, former editorial director of the Harvard Business Review. Inflation is even worse if you measure it the proper way. Making a year-over-year comparison of price increases is easy to understand, but inevitably backward-looking. Right now, monthly core inflation is clearly accelerating. What does he mean? Well, because prices month-to-month are volatile, we don't measure the consumer price index uh, monthly. Measured, if we did it monthly, consumer prices rose 17.1% in June. Monthly is only 9.1%. We look back a year. The reason we look back a year is because every month prices go up and prices go down. And it's not really a good indicator to take month to month because the, the spike, it'll go up, it'll go down, it'll go up, it'll go down, it'll go up, it'll go down. So if you take June now compared to June a year ago, you've had all the ups and downs in between so you can level things out. You get a better idea of what's happening Um, but there are all sorts of warning signs that inflation is still not good. This is Justin Fox. Now, I'm pretty sure monthly and three-month core inflation measures better reflect what's been going on in the U.S. economy over the past year than the annual change does. There was a spectacular burst of inflation last spring. It has subsided, only to be followed by new, smaller, but still major waves, the latest of which certainly hasn't created, uh, crested yet in the consumer price index data. Consider what the current GDP trajectory would look like if we measured it as we did inflation. Year over year, GDP change would be positive, even though the Fed in Atlanta has a gloomy GDP outlook for the second quarter. There's some questions about how quarterly GDP declines, really, what, how the, what they mean, given job growth has continued. But it seems pretty obvious why we pay attention to quarterly GDP. Annual GDP gives a smoother picture of the medium-term trajectory of the economy. Perhaps we should be doing it the same way with inflation. And if we did, alarm bells would be going off by what we're seeing. There's a problem, though, with the labor market. You're not getting a lot of this. You see, uh, most economists... They pay attention to uh, the payroll labor department report from employers, what employers say. They, They call it the establishment survey. The establishment survey is used to calculate employment, unemployment, and other figures from the labor department, and it comes from non farm payrolls reported by private industry. And it shows an average of 375,000 jobs a month over the last three months being created. There's a problem. There's also a household survey. 
The household survey is the Labor Department surveys households around the country, and that survey shows the economy losing 116,000 jobs a month in the same span. Normally, these things tend to align. When they diverge, you got problems. And oftentimes, what happens when they diverge from the household survey to the establishment survey, remember, the establishment survey is a survey of businesses. The household survey is a survey of households. The establishment survey is uh, considered more precise, more accurate, because it's data required by companies to the Labor Department. The household survey, well, you're surveying households. You're not always getting an accurate statistical sample. And it's smaller. And because it's a smaller sample, it's got a larger margin of error. But there's a problem. They are diverging quickly. There's a problem. This is from Goldman Sachs's uh, Jan Hazius. While the household survey is much noisier than the establishment survey on a month-to-month basis, it picks up changes in net new firm creation in real time and therefore often outperforms the establishment survey at cyclical turning points, providing both measures are averaged over several months. This suggests that the still robust, robust non-farm payroll prints of recent months probably overstates true job growth. What's that mean in English? It means that um, more and more we are seeing households saying people are no longer working while businesses are still saying people are working. And the household survey is usually the leading indicator that layoffs are beginning to happen and the economy is slowing down. And if the household survey is right in this uh, refusal to align with the establishment survey. Again, trying to simplify this to household survey, you're surveying actual human households. The establishment survey is businesses provide their jobs data to the government. The businesses in the establishment survey are saying we're still hiring. But the survey of households in the country says actually we're starting to get laid off. When those two diverge, usually they don't. When they diverge, it usually means the economy is beginning a turning point towards the household survey. And if the household survey is showing layoffs at a time of 9.1% inflation and rising interest rates, and the Fed looks like they're going to do another three-quarter basis point interest rate hike, we're headed to a recession, and we may be headed to a recession sooner than most people think. And that's starting to make Democrats deeply, deeply, deeply worried. Their moderates are sounding the alarm, and when they thought abortion would give them a win towards November, the Republicans are starting to rebound on the generic ballot as people are focused on the dollar and jobs and the economy and not abortion. That's going to hurt them badly, the Democrats, in November. With all the economic turmoil, you may want to reach out to my friends at GoldCo. You need to protect your retirement savings. If you got $50,000 or more in your retirement savings, your money really could be at risk and you don't have a lot of options, but you may be able to protect it with physical gold and silver. If you call GoldCo at 855-904-5933, you're going to get a free wealth protection kit from them to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at GoldCo. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. At least get the free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Uh, the phone number again is 855-904-5933. But to make it easy on you, if you just text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, 
to 33777. I will send you Gold Co.'s toll-free number. That's text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Talk to Gold Co. See if they're a good fit for your retirement portfolio. This other program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan in Noonan, Georgia. But wherever you are nationwide, don't let that deter you. They want to help you. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the early 90s. Frost family are good people. They know how to help you get to yes with large loans where banks can't. If you need $750,000 or more for your business, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Uh, see if you're a good fit for them, them for you. It takes about 10 minutes to go through their process. They may be able to help you. Now, uh, when we come back, we got to spend a little bit of time um, with, well, all the apology fan fiction for Biden. And we got to talk more about the story I don't want to talk about. We'll get there. But I, so I got to tell you, so I, I watched the, the Bill Burr. Um, I like stand-up comedy. I think Dave Chappelle really is the goat. Uh, he really is grace all time. But, but I would say Bill Burr probably comes cl- real close there. Uh, Bill Burr's a comedian. He's definitely on the left, and, and he did this this uh, special. It's on Netflix, and at the end, he decides he, he's he's talked so divisively, he wants to find common ground with the crowd, and so he wants to talk about a non-divisive issue. So he chooses abortion, and he says essentially, you can still watch it. I I I won't do justice, obviously, but um, says that he he's always bought the idea that it's it's pro-choice, that it's your body, it's your choice. I, he's all for that. But uh, ladies, please stop saying it's just a clump of cells because we're all clumps of cells. Uh, you're you're killing kids. Uh, don't don't hide from the fact that you're killing kids. He says if he makes himself his birthday cake and he puts it in the oven, if you come and pull it out of the oven and throw the batter everywhere, um, you're, you're not throwing a uh, batter everywhere. You're throwing his birthday cake somewhere. It's not just because it was batter at one point doesn't mean it's not supposed to be cake. We were all that clump of cells at one point. But, but he ends with, with this, and it, it's very funny in his delivery and all, but he says, listen, I, I don't have a problem with it. We're destroying the planet. We got so many people. We got plastics everywhere. We got plastics in us, plastics in the ocean. If you have never amounted to anything in your life and you're sleeping with someone who's never amounted to anything in their life, uh, the odds are not that you're going to reproduce Albert Einstein, but that you're going to reproduce someone who makes us all miss the red light because they're too busy staring at their phone when the light turns green. And I'm okay if you want to abort that person. Now, it was all very funny. It was very, very funnily delivered. But I I suspect this is where we're headed towards the left using comedians and others. And I don't think he's a part of it. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or anything. I'm just saying I, I think the left is going to take a page from this and try to get us to agree that some people should not be alive, that it is worth to save the planet and to save ourselves. Some people should not be alive. We're going to get back to the eugenics movement of the 1920s, where Margaret Sanger founded Planned Parenthood, uh, was an admirer of Adolf Hitler's and the Klan, and believed that some people had no value, and it was okay to sterilize people, and it was okay to to wipe out people. And you know, if you read anything medically about that abortifacient drug so many women are ordering now, it can sterilize you. It, it, there is a side effect of it sterilizing you, and they don't want to talk about that. And I really do think that's where the left is going to head on all this stuff very quickly.